0: <clears throat> uh <coughs> oh, oh,
1: to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the skinned shrivel fig of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who would prefer not to share what Bogarts turn into when they see us. My name is Sarah. I am joined as always by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing?
0: Doing fine. So far, so good. Yeah, though, uh, Sarah, keep in mind, this is me we're talking about. I would just go on in volumes describing my inner fears. That's what <laughs> I do on these podcasts.
1: Well, maybe we'll get there, Spencer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's in my notes. Oh I, I am a little curious.
1: Um, well, I might remain silent on the subject. Um, <laughs> so we, Is it the ring? <laughs> Stop. Sometimes I remember it in the middle of the night and I have to get up <laughs> and walk around. <laughs> oh. um, so we are in chapter seven of the third book of Harry Potter, uh, The Bogart in the Wardrobe. And uh, we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap. We have BJ's wizard wheezes, newbies notes from Spencer, um, house points are awarded, and uh, then there are questions, which I assume that this <laughs> chapter was clear as mud, so.
0: I, I enjoy whenever <laughs> we wouldn't you- not have any questions, it's fine. No. I enjoy, when, I enjoy whenever you bring up the questions category. You always say it, and then there is about a, a second and a half delay after you say it, so I can just picture you sighing.
1: I turned my microphone off and ram my head against the desk for a second and then join you again. It's
0: fine. Luckily, long before we get there, we go through your recap first. And yes. How long do you think this one's going to take? This felt breezy reading it, at least.
1: Yeah, I, and it is I've been so as this is kind of the opposite of some of the chapters we have just had where there's a whole bunch that happens and I can kind of just skim through it. Um, in this recap, I have included a lot more detail, so I think I still have it right on two minutes,
0: although it's going to be close. All right, well, the giant novelty stopwatch is ready. Best of luck.
1: So, Malfoy takes some time off and comes back with the drama, meaning that Harry and Ron have to do stuff for him in potions while Draco Draco whispers threats about Hagrid. Apparently, Malfoy's complained to his dad, who has complained to the school governors, and Hagrid's in hot water. Seamus tells them that Sirius Black has been sighted not too far away, but vanished before the Ministry got there. Malfoy eavesdrops to, infuriatingly, tell Harry that if it was him, he'd want revenge. Ron tries to convince Harry that uh, he was just trying to goad Harry into doing something stupid. Neville predictably melts down in potions again, and Snape decides he'll feed whatever potion Neville has to his toad at the end of class. Hermione furiously whispers instructions to him, and he manages to create an actual shrinking solution, which makes Snape livid, mostly directed at Hermione, who loses house points. Finally, the first of Lupin's Defense Against the Dark Arts classes, a practical le- lesson for which they head to the staff room, passing Peeves on the way, who takes the opportunity to take a shot at Lupin. Snape is there and is horrible again to Neville. Lupin kindly asks Neville to help with the beginning of the lesson, a boggart in the wardrobe. Hermione lets us know they're shapeshifters that take the form of whatever frightens you the most, and Harry figures out that because there are a lot of them in the room, the Boggart might get confused. But the real finisher of a Boggart is laughter, so you have to use the spell ridiculous to turn it into something, well, ridiculous. So Neville's up first, and the Boggart turns into a pretty good likeness of Snape, Um, but miracle of miracles, Neville manages to stuff Snape's facsimile into his grandmother's clothes, vulture hat and all. As the rest of the class gets called forward, summoning all kinds of horrors, Harry worries about what it will turn into when it sees him. First, he thinks of Voldemort, but his thoughts eventually turn to the Dementors. Everyone gets a turn, Snape to Mummy to Banshee to Rat to Snake to Eyeball to Severed Hand to Spider, before Lupin steps in and the Boggart turns to a glowing orb. Neville goes forward to finish the Boggart off and everyone gets house points, including Harry and Hermione who are both upset. They didn't get to face the Boggart on the way out of class. Everyone chatters about Lupin's success as a teacher and Ron speculates about what Hermione's Boggart would have turned into
0: to the second one minute and 59 seconds. (laughs) Well done. Very impressive.
1: There was some, some in the moment editing there as I felt time slipping away from me. You did well. Thank you. Um, So once again, as I recover my breath, BJ, what, what is wheezing
2: you? Uh, What do I have to wheeze about? (laughs) So, um, I'm, I'm amused by, uh, Peeve's little song, Loony Be Lupin. Um, clearly this is among the things that that are going to be made to be read aloud. Mm -hmm. Um, and shortly thereafter, we have a fun, uh, sentence talking about Filch, um, was Hogwarts caretaker, comma, a bad-tempered, comma, failed wizard who waged a constant war against the students, and comma, indeed, comma, Peeves. <laughs> um, I have not quite decided how I feel about the word indeed. Um, it has gotten peppered in some manuscripts that I've written, and it always feels um, disconcerting when I put it in and pretentious. Uh, it's sometimes so, necessary, though. Yes. And it's like, and it should be obvious to the reader that, (laughs) um, so that was entertaining. And so my last thing is I'm naming the chapter Deus Ex Giggles.
0: (laughs) The power of giggles compels us.
2: Um, and with that, I will turn it over to the newbie's notes.
0: Uh, Just to reference one thing you said, loony loopy lupin is apparently enough of a tongue twister that I had trouble reading it, where I was getting confused (laughs) in my own head repeating it out. So... Yeah. What
1: did you think it was, Spencer?
0: Not that. Several <laughs> several failed attempts at reading it. It was like, I'm reading this. I'm not saying it in my head. Why is it not processing? But eventually it came through. What did it uh, actually mean? Perhaps
1: it is the um, weird, technically correct, but weird placement of the commas in that particular...
0: That, that did not help. I was kept, yeah. on, I kept on needing to take a breath and it didn't occur. <laughs> but, for newbie's Notes, uh, the ch- first half of this chapter is just... It's well written in the sense that it makes me hate everything, in that Malfoy is the worst and Snape is the worst and pain is everything and it just doesn't stop. I mean, Malfoy is just earning his title of the character most in need of physical comeuppance at some point before the story is done, and yet I'm sure we'll never get it. And Snape just explores new realms of terribleness in his his, uh, teaching of his course this time around. I mean. I don't know how Snape gets away with this. We don't see any other professors display this level of bias. This level of just outright malevolence toward his students. But for Snape, it's a daily routine. I mean, his actions with respect to the Toad are just outright sadistic. I mean, he's fully expecting at this point that whatever Neville produced is just going to kill Neville's pet. And he's not only forcing it to occur, he's making sure an audience is there to watch it. That's wrong! There's no justifiable reason for that, but for Snape, par for the course, not even that out of character for him. And it just continues. I mean, Ron obviously steps in it stupidly when he s- receives clear instructions from Snape and then fails to perform them, which is inviting further punishment and problems, but even ending with just the point deduction is just utterly spiteful. I. It makes me angry, but it's so in character for Snape, there's not much else I can really say about it, other than just continual surprise that he hasn't been removed by the board of directors, other than my house theory that either the entirety of the board of directors or at least the entirety of the governing body of any government in this wizarding society are from House Slytherin or are purebloods, and so just endorse whatever occurs with respect to them in this school. We have further evidence to ponder how Hermione is doing what she is doing, and I think it has narrowed it down enough to say that it is either time travel or she has some device that lets her become the Flash, which, if you're able to move that fast, that's essentially time travel, so I'm gonna go with BJ's previously brought up point of time travel. How that's going, where she... did McGonagall literally give her some object that lets her just go back in time between rooms? Are all the other professors on board because someone's going to notice this eventually? Why is she keeping it secret? I have many questions, I'm sure none of which Sarah can answer right now.
1: You can try.
0: tell Spencer. <laughs> oh, damn you, BJ. And then Lupin appears and everything is alright. <laughs> My mood <laughs> in the chapters improves immediately because he is the teacher we all always wanted to have when we were in school. You are one- learning
1: much more about your namesake as well, which makes me particularly happy because you are sort of a Lupin,
0: <laughs> Spencer. I, I take that as a profound compliment from what I'm seeing so far because his, <laughs> his treatment of Neville is just so great. Giving him an opportunity to literally get revenge on Snape, but I totally think that Lupin saw that coming and gave him an opportunity on purpose. Giving him an opportunity to succeed in front of his classmates who've only previously seen his, fa- his failures. Him working in the room and keeping everyone constantly involved and constantly encouraging everyone and supporting them as they're going through this making the lesson fun and engaging and valuable at the same time this is the ideal teacher this is what every teacher in hogwarts should be modeled after rather rather than snape with two of them framed and opposite to each other it makes it all the more clear which makes it also really interesting why snape is even there why is snape just hanging out in this room with the bogart was it well, just it is for the... the staff room oh well I, I didn't... it's the staff room and they
2: talked about leaving it for the students to take care of mm-hmm. okay
0: I actually did not note that it was a staff room so that explains mm-hmm. that I, I kind of just it's pictured... a very depressing staff room but it <laughs> is just my two theories were either a Snape for reasons we don't really understand but know he's got the feeling of it just hates Lupin and wanted to be there in some way to undermine his class before he even started or B. Snape is that twisted of individual? Where he just spends his time hanging out next to a Bogart to see the things <laughs> that scares him, which is possible. Who knows? Staff room makes a hell of a lot more sense. Uh, referencing uh, Snape's treatment of Lupin, we also get to see it here with Peeves too, which really sets up that there is something unique about Lupin that sets him off from the other professors. I mean, the book takes pains to say that Peeves does not harass teachers. He doesn't do that. They are. Um, typically speaking, immune from his diffi- the various difficulties that he causes. So the fact that he's willing to mock Lupin in front of his students, and specifically referencing him as being loony Lupin, is interesting. I mean, this guy is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. He looks pretty damn haggard. We've had a lot of references to Azkaban. Does he have some prior connection to there? Don't know. Hmm. Um, it's something to think about, something, to po- something for me to ponder and process, because... <sighs> There's a lot that's not making sense. As much as I enjoyed Lupin, I'm expecting some dark and twisted background because this is Harry Potter and no one other than the Weasleys is devoid of that. And I'm still waiting <laughs> for that to come out with respect to the Weasleys. So I'll be curious to learn more. Uh, got some questions about the Bogart that we'll go into here in a minute. It's I, I'm just going to bring this one up now because I fully expect Sarah not to answer this question. But it's interesting to see Lupin intervene when it comes to Harry. And even Harry himself is pondering this. Of where everyone gets, well... Quite a few people in the room get an opportunity. It lands literally at Harry's feet to give him another opportunity to to do it. And Lupin directly intervenes to prevent him from doing it. Why that is? Well, Lupin did see how Harry reacted to the Dementor. And we see in Harry's head that that seems to be what Harry was about to imagine, and that probably would not have gone well given his, I believe it's referred to as sensitivity, uh, weak emotional state, weak constitution, whatever else pissed Harry off a chapter ago. So it's possibly protecting Harry, but the fact that the book, the, car- the Harry, him specifically, is pondering why it happened means that it's probably something maybe more than that. So I'm making a note of it. Probably will come back to it later. I did not realize last book how much Ron hated the spiders until now. I knew that that was a very unpleasant <laughs> moment for him, fleeing from the spiders. Didn't realize that they are his single greatest fear in the world. So I, in retrospect, feel very bad for Ron. That was a rough run just for me, and I'm not amazingly afraid of spiders. For Ron, having confronted by varieties of of multi-carnivorous car-sized creatures, I'm sorry that there are apparently not therapists in this world because clearly you need to speak with one. (laughs) I mean,
2: honestly, I'm pretty sure there's something else that that he fears a lot more. It just wouldn't make good reading, which is an angry Miley Weasley.
0: (laughs) That could make for a very effective thing. We've seen that people are uh, people can be uh, appear out of the bogart, so <laughs> I, his mom appearing would have been a very darkly funny moment. Uh, as for other things that appear, the silvery, silvery white orb that Lupin sees is interesting. Uh, we have one of the characters at the end, and I forgot to note who it was. One of the female classmates uh, comment that it was a crystal ball, which is, I guess, possible. There's been a lot of references to prophecy so far in this book, and I can see how prophecy and the dark arts would potentially go hand in hand. Maybe part of what Lupin's issues is, is that he, you know, fears something that is coming or something that he has seen that is coming. Don't know. I, the fact that she's supposed to references to Crystal Ball, probably absolutely knowing, you know, J.K. Rowling means that it, it wasn't that. We stand <laughs> to be surprised in a, couple, in a couple chapters. But it's interesting to ponder right now, because it seems to be something decidedly less, uh, classically scary or malevolent that a lot of the other students saw. So there's clearly this other story behind it, which again, just builds into the just fascinating background of Lupin that we have presently nothing about, but I'll be excited to learn going forward. And other than a mess of questions that I'm going to self edit (laughs) under the assumption that I will receive no response at all, that finishes up my newbie's notes.
1: Okay. So we are going into house points. This is a heck of a chapter for house points. They are quite literally given and taken and... (laughs)
2: Yes, they're Um, all over the place. They
1: are all over the place. And really our characters are all over the place too, in terms of exactly the kind of like dual structure of this chapter that you mentioned, uh, Spencer, there are many, many ups and downs.
2: But it is how they end the chapter.
1: That is, that is absolutely true. And so I would like to, although, although Malfoy had an excellent beginning of the chapter, we don't give much of him in the end of the chapter.
0: Is he even there? No, no, because I think it's
1: just Gryffindors in the Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson.
0: I think so. Really, he awards points to just Gryffindors, implying that only Gryffindor members were present.
1: Yeah, and and you you probably wouldn't necessarily know this, but all of the people who are listed as dealing with the Bogart are Gryffindors. Gotcha. Um, so he's not even in the latter half of the chapter. And really he's just doing Malfoy things at the beginning. So I don't know. I am going to, against all odds, and I'm going to take all comers. <laughs> I the am going to The first time <laughs> and
2: maybe the last time in the next couple
0: books.
1: Neville Longbottom. No. <laughs> wins the chapter.
0: <laughs> you know, as rough of a start as he had, his toad survived. And he got to appear to be the uh, the original successful student in front of all of his immediate peers. Mm-hmm. That's a good and day for And the even. final one.
1: Yes, and he got his, he really sort of got a personal comeuppance on not only Snape, but his mm. grandmother too, apparently.
0: <laughs> yep, And 10 points for Gryffindor to boot. Pretty I, good. Yeah. C-
1: Pretty
0: good. Kudos to Neville.
1: Yeah. Um, loser of the chapter is a little more difficult. Um, I mean, I think that we could we are in the middle of this book, so we could pretty reliably give it to Harry almost every time. <laughs> um, and he certainly did not have a great time in potions and he is annoyed. He is annoyed at Lupin for not letting him face the Bogart uh, for reasons I think he assumes of sort of like the delicacy that you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is like low level trauma for Harry. So I, Honestly,
2: I have another suggestion please, before you uh, hermione
1: Hermione was going to be my choice
2: okay. okay, yes, justify
1: she had a very bad result in potions. She did exactly what she was thinks she was supposed to do and got punished for being smart and trying to help people um and then uh, she turned it around a little bit in Lupin's class, but not beyond. What she normally would have done in any given class, mm-hmm. and she didn't get to face the art. And clearly, she, something has happened in the middle of this chapter, as you pointed out, Spencer, with what she's doing.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of answer, a lot of unanswered questions with Hermione, and I agree that she probably wins loser this chapter just the kind of process of elimination, because most everybody else has a pretty good day, even with yeah. a rough start to things, whereas mm-hmm. Hermione just kind of gets like a net zero, even in like literal points.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So I think that's where we're going to end up in this chapter.
0: Okay. Sounds good.
2: Um, Questions? So, uh, well, before we move on to questions, I just wanted to continue with this and I'm I'm sort of curious how this will be moving forward in this book and future books, but we have yet another chapter where we actually, I feel like we're really getting a sense of what's going on in Hogwarts and what it's Mm -hmm. like to be in Hogwarts, which as I mentioned previously, like we didn't really get in previous books Mm -hmm. and I am appreciating it. Um, and I'm happy that it's finally come, come about.
1: I would, to my thought, and I don't know if this is consistent, but I think, um, I think we do get more of that going forward.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, certainly I would say in this book, obviously, and I would certainly say in the next book, and I think it continues more after that than it did in the first two books. Although so much like plotty stuff happens that I'm mm-hmm. having trouble remembering exactly, um, if it continues yeah. at this pace.
2: I mean, it's also like in some ways in terms of like the story, it's boring chapters, so... Not to look, me, though. It, it's... <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then... The other thing that we were talking about and, and I, you know, I think is worth bringing up again is, you know, we have another Owl-less
0: chapter and a rough <laughs> time for Harry, so.
1: Yeah, not a single mention of Hedwig in this chapter.
0: Though, can we imagine how bad Harry's day could have been if the Bogart did turn into a Dementor and he had the exact same reaction you did last time? Yeah.
2: That, that would have been pretty, yeah. pretty yeah, so. terrible, but I think it would have been even worse if
0: it didn't turn into Dementor turned into something new? If it turned into Voldemort? Uh, yeah. I, I, I just don't think it would. I don't think... I don't... I kind of believe Harry when he said previously that he's just utterly unafraid of Voldemort. <laughs> At least he thinks he is. Yeah, yeah, this is
1: the second layer that makes the bogart really difficult, right?
2: <laughs> right. Is it our choices also, that make us Harry? Mm. I mean, of things... I, and I maybe we, like that'd be an interesting thing to to discuss sorry, dur- sort of during our questions is... What would it have been for the characters that we didn't get to see? Mm. And what do we think might make sense? Cause honestly, I think that, that his, um, aunt and uncle would make the most sense, and... what else has tried to kill him more than once?
0: Yeah, but I, I think he's gotten kind of used to that one. I'm, I'm more inclined to think it would be a, some way of a mix off the, uh, the mirror of Arized uh, and be something related mm. to his parents. That the loss of them and the absence of them is clearly the greatest pain in his life. So some spin off that. But, but he's some actively dealing
1: with that. So I I might think that some loss of Ron and Hermione would be it.
0: Oh, his current coping <laughs> mechanisms, essentially. Because he's,
1: he fell apart right. when he thought he wasn't getting letters from them in the beginning of the second book.
0: What, it, That's true. It does bleed into what my, what, what my first questions was going to be um, about... How what does the Bogart work with more abstract concepts and fears?
2: Yeah. Like the joke about Hermione, like a, a homework that she didn't get a perfect well, score on.
0: I think Hermione's greatest yeah. fear would be failure mm-hmm. or something along those lines, mm-hmm. uh, which is a difficult thing to convey without, like, transporting someone into a world where it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's not represented by a single object. It's more represented by a state of being.
1: And so I think you, we see Bogart's... Um, at other points in the series as well. I don't think it's like a particular spoiler to tell you that, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. where we get not like super abstract concepts, but more abstract than the examples that we get in this chapter, which are all like super concrete things in the world. Right. Um,
2: but also these are like 12 year olds, right, so right. existential fear is probably <laughs> yeah. less of an issue sure. with them.
1: And yeah. so like what we, oh, I think my impression of how the bogart deals with more abstract things is it tries to extrapolate from the individual um, prob- probably some sort of p- person who can either deliver the news or be embodied by it in some way um mm. that is meaningful to whoever is is encountering the bogart so it has to take it obviously has to take some physical form um <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think that I think that for most people um, that comes in the form of like either he- hearing something from someone that they care about or seeing something happen to someone that they care about
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: rather than just like, I'm scared of spiders and therefore, yeah. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> uh, and we and see we, that
1: happen later on.
0: And we hear mm-hmm. from Lupin too, that they're significantly more powerful when you're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious to see that if we see a character who is alone in the story that is caught unawares by one of these things, I'm picturing a, a certain element of more like reality bending that this thing can summon to make to make the fear much more manifest.
1: But. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's interesting. That's an interesting point, Spencer, because it, it feels like maybe the Bogart can only focus on these very concrete surface level things because they're at the, the forefront of these 12, year, 13 year olds' mm-hmm. minds. Um, but if you were, if, even if you were a 13 year old alone with the ball guard, it might be able to kind of delve further into, okay, but what actually makes you tick?
0: Sure. And I think it's a good point by BJ too, with respect to the idea that these are children. Mm-hmm. They, they, they do have a more simple concept of what their fears are. Their fears are manifest in individual things. The same way we are afraid of monsters at that age. Mm-hmm. But when we, we turn to Lupin, his fear is decidedly more ambiguous. This crystal ball thing does not appear to be... Eh, if it's a literal, there seems to be at least extra layers attached behind it to explain it. It's just not, it doesn't seem like it's the literal object that he's afraid of, but maybe more what it represents. Yeah. But and we'll I, I guess to me, it wasn't per- perfectly clear that that's something that he
2: feared. It was just sort of like the progression of what he was doing to banish the Bogart.
0: I wasn't sure. Though, Interesting, that yeah. Uh, it is it is ambiguous, but I, I interpret it as him basically stepping in the path of it to shield uh, Harry, like he was essentially taking the bullet for Harry, so it directed its gaze on him instead, and it became mm-hmm. his fear. But it is true. It's also possible that this could have been, it's essentially a continual breakdown as a result of everything else they were throwing upon it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that that's where I, like, I wasn't sure, and I
2: think it could go either way, and it, you know, hopefully we'll have a reveal at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, in keeping with this scene, um, two questions. One, do we take Snape's excuse at face value? Because I can see there being an aspect of not wanting to reveal your deepest fear to students, um, Mm. and a question that I'm pretty sure Sarah will decline to (laughs) even venture a guess for, what do you think that would be?
1: Oh, I have many guesses.
2: <laughs> yeah, <but> um, <laughs> non-spoiler guesses. I have I zero able, non-spoiler guesses. <laughs> That—that's
0: what I thought. May, may I offer a, a somewhat not well? I can't offer spoilers because I'm going to offer a guess. Yes, you may. Um, and the, the, so many of my opinions are biased based on just certain views of what the writer wants to do, and also I'm biased here in the fact that I've been told that J.K. Rowling specifically wanted Alan Rickman to play this role. Mm -hmm. And I can't... Other than, you know, freaking Die Hard, uh, Alan Rickman typically plays nuanced roles, and Snape appears like he has the potential to be a nuanced, multi-layered character based on the fact that particularly Dumbledore seems to trust him or like him. So I'm anticipating that there's some element of past trauma affecting this character. Uh, Some kind of comparison or connection back to... um, Harried background, maybe in some way, some element of loss, some element of betrayal, something that made him the twisted, untrusting, snapping individual that he is. And so I would be curious to see what that moment is that drove him on that path. And I suspect that would be some reference back to that, some reference back to an element of weakness that he's built this persona around might be uh, what would appear.
1: And I would, to not answer any of that... Um, but to draw on the fact that you have mentioned Alan Rickman playing Snape, I would like to reiterate that we do need to do uh, watches of these movies, and we probably should have been doing them at the end of each book as we
2: completed it. Yes, that would make <laughs> a lot of sense. You know, as long as they're fairly well contained. Yes, um, they are. The, the
1: movies are actually very good. There's nothing that kind of bleeds into the other ones. If we want to take a, other I mean, books. if.
2: If we progress as we're going, we probably can get close to finishing the fourth book by New Year's, if not a little bit further.
1: Oh, so we could true. do a you sort of four halfway a, marathon. a midway marathon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, a midway marathon. Uh, I'm down for a Harry Potter wa- a Harry Potter watch party. That'd be fun.
1: That would be great. Okay. Anyway, I just wanted to plug that in there. What other questions do we have?
0: Uh, well, one of the points about Bogart, which I found interesting too, is I looked it up. Uh, My Guide to Mythological Creatures. Mm. Uh, And it appears in... Is it under Humphrey? (laughs) No, no. Unassociated. I was surprised. Uh, It appears to be, in terms of the classical lore, to be much more of a poltergeist kind of character. Which I guess fits with something of what we see here. Uh, It's described as being an evil brownie, which led me to look up what a damn brownie was. That's basically an elf. Yeah, it's kind of like a sprite. Um, But it raises a question I had about, in Harry Potter... What mm-hmm. kind of magical creature is this? Is it some kind of spirit or ghost? All it's described as being is as a shapeshifter, but I'm not really mm-hmm. sure what kind of massive thing I'm looking at. Spirit is so something you can at least lock up.
1: And this is this is what um, I don't remember if it's in if it's in this chapter or not. But it is in one of the discussions we get about Bogarts. Is that um, I feel like it should have been in this chapter, but I was skimming when I did my notes, so you'll have to tell me. Um, but nobody actually knows what Bogarts look like when they're alone, because they immediately right. as- assume the form of.
2: Lupin does say that.
1: Okay, um, yeah, they immediately assume the form of whatever it is that scares you. So l- it's a sort of. Um... Ring
2: cameras are not a thing in Harry Potter.
0: <laughs> it's
1: it's the um, obs- the act of observing. Yes. The thing will inevitably change the thing itself.
0: It raises an interesting point that if you did use that uh, kid's camera from the last book, would it just appear different to every person who looked at the picture? Oh, or would it appear like nothing at all? That's a question.
1: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> well,
2: and, and I guess really like further down that rabbit hole, if somebody painted a bog art
0: <laughs> what would happen? How do you paint fear itself? I mean, uh, yeah, if, if, you you, paint...
1: if you set a camera on an automatic timer, hmm, maybe this is why we don't have technology in the wizarding world.
0: It makes everything that much more complicated. Yeah. I mean, I'd almost suspect that, that it just that nothing would appear because it literally yeah. is fear manifest, and the camera is afraid of nothing. Hmm. Um, I would posit that it's a weird
2: mushroom. Sure. <laughs> um. So. Spencer, do you have another question? I have two.
0: OK. Uh, do you want to go into one of yours first, though?
2: Uh, go ahead, and then I'll ask one of mine.
0: OK. Uh, so do we ever get any confirmation that, I think we, I think you've said before, Sarah, that there are a remarkable number of purebloods that are in House Solar. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: and purebloods seem to have an undue amount of influence and wealth and power in the magical community. Uh, are these kind of connected in terms of how the abuses and preferential treatment of House Slytherin works, that they just have a lot of powerful alumni and a lot of powerful members who help run the government, and so they're able to operate as they do, unfair as it is? I think that's
1: probably a good assumption to make. It's never outright stated. The, cl- the closest we get to it is, I think, what you're referencing, which is this sort of conversation with Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's a, we, we never get a real sense of like where the other governors come from um, or anything like that. But I do think that that legacy is always at play. Although we did have the question, I believe at the end of the last book, maybe the beginning of this book, as to whether uh, Lucius Malfoy is still a member of the Board of Governors.
0: Mm-hmm. This right. chapter
1: seems to imply that he is not.
0: That's yeah. true. I had not actually process that. That is an interesting point.
1: Because he had to go to the governors, mm-hmm. of which he was formerly one, to uh, register his complaint. So I take mm-hmm. this to mean that he is not a member of the the school governors anymore.
0: And probably re- reduces but does not eliminate his degree to influence them in their decisions.
1: Indeed.
2: Yeah. And I would imagine that a lot of like his being kicked off the board of governors is much more all of the other Slytherins that are on the board of governors are just like... <laughs> You did you did terribly and were embarrassed. Yes, like you, you got were caught. not willing to be seen with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I had a, a I guess much more mundane question that that is in sort of two parts. One is why are potions so um, tropey, and the second one is like how specific are potions really? Okay, in terms of like uh, proportions and things like that, because like it just. It seems a little bit more haphazard when they're actually making the potion Mm -hmm. than Snape is making it out to be. Mm -hmm. Or is it just like, they're not quite as effective unless you get them exactly right, but they'll do the general thing as long as you are close.
1: I think it, I mean, I think that the sort of non-answer, but actual answer to that is it depends on what the potion is. Um, Mm -hmm. Because we learn, we actually get, we learn a lot more about potions. We learn a little bit more about potions towards the end of this book um but we learn a lot more about potions in later books um okay we learn about a a couple more in the next book well actually we learn more about potions that we've already encountered in the next book
2: um but do we get some more our eye of newton
1: (laughs) (laughs) indeed um but in the sixth book we actually learn a lot about potions but i would say that like Probably these particular potions that they're dealing with in these kind of first couple of years of their schooling are sort of can you get in the general vicinity? I think Neville is just so bad <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: that it doesn't really matter whether you need to be precise or not. Like, you're so far out of the, out of left field. Um, yeah. But yeah, we do we do learn, even at the end of this book, we learn about... And I guess we learned a little, we at least had reference to the Mandrake based potion in the second book, that that mm-hmm. is like clearly uh-huh. advanced potion making, um, right. that <laughs> Lockhart volunteered to do and was probably told <laughs> not to do.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but we, we also learn a little bit more about kind of what constitu- constitutes an advanced potion towards the end of this book.
2: Interesting. Cause like the, previously it would indicate to a certain extent that rare and dangerous ingredients are at least some of the, uh, things that, that limit potion mm-hmm. making and mm-hmm. advances in potion making. Um, but this sort of, the scene that we have in potion making really reminds me of, uh, organic chemistry lab, mm. um, because like, if you didn't do things quite correctly, you would have interesting results. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and some people were just disappointing. <laughs> in their skills. Um, there's somebody nearby to me that I helped many times because he needed it. Um, okay, and I need I, it. <laughs> kind of, at least in this class. Um, and he, um, one of our first, the first things that we made was, uh, basically banana smell. Oh, okay. Um, but if you screw it up a little bit, it creates another compound that smells like gym socks. Oh, that's not
0: the objective. Yikes.
2: And, and so that's why it sort of really reminds me <laughs> of potion making, because like, you do something a little bit long and you get mm-hmm. something really, really weird.
0: And I really like the points you guys mentioned there, Sarah, I very much agree with you that it seems like The level of complexity that's being expected of them definitely shifts upward over time. And I think it's demonstrated here that Hermione is able to fix Neville's potion on the fly in like 15 seconds after he's already messed it up. Mm -hmm. Which suggests that there is a massive margin of error that is allowed to make these early potions still functional, or at least. Hell, what does this potion even do? It reduces something to an earlier state of being? It turns a toad to a tadpole, right?
1: Yeah, a little unclear because it's supposed to be a shrinking spell, but it returns a toad to a tadpole instead of just like making it smaller. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. Which appears to be the objective based on what Snape says. So yeah, yeah, that will make you smaller. And BJ, in reference to your point about organic chemistry, I'm kind of reminded of of a moment in Kingkiller Chronicles of where Kvothe never understands alchemy at all, never bothers to. But he always thinks that it's chemistry and he gets lectured by one of his friends that no no chemistry is about half of it magic makes the rest and i wonder Mm -hmm. how much that bleeds into this or not so we definitely see all the chemistry side of things in terms of how this works but it appears to be either using of magical items or using of magical spells to a certain degree is also part of this process otherwise it doesn't perfectly work i wish that i
1: could give you all excerpts from the sixth book right now (laughs) without <laughs> offering spoilers, but we will have to wait. Right.
0: Well, I have one more question, BJ, but if you have any first? No, nope, go for it. Uh, this is one I fully don't expect an answer for, but I feel the need to feel the need to ask anyway. It We're getting a lot of references now as to why Sirius Black and Harry have a past connection. Uh, previously, we missed it because Harry decided to jump the gun and assume he knew what the hell was going on, which he obviously should know he never does. This time, we get a suggestion that there is a certain element of revenge that Harry may want on Black. Do we have... I can't think of anything right now. (laughs) So, this is just merely a question of, have we been given anything to explain this? Like, has this ever been said before to offer an explanation for what Sirius Black did to Harry, or more likely Harry's parents, given cause for revenge and that Harry was a baby at the damn time? To explain this out, or is this just merely a teaser for the future?
1: Um, no, we don't know anything about this. Ab- about th- when we find out what Sirius Black did, it will be new information to us. Okay. I should... Um, I would point out, though, Spencer.
0: Oh boy.
1: That we have encountered Sirius Black's name before.
0: <laughs> and so my du- my delve begins. <laughs> I, I believe uh, those are triggering <laughs> words. You should
2: put, You should. Uh, that is a challenge. Give him man. a trigger warning. <laughs> All right, yeah, Spencer. Exactly, you already have exactly information
0: that you're not referencing. I'm hurt now. I'm <laughs> I have found what my future next three hours is. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, thank you for giving my evening. I will look forward to that.
1: You're welcome. I'm just trying to make sure that you're entertained in these quarantine times, Spencer
0: <laughs> You find a very novel way of doing it
1: uh b j do you have a last question for us
2: uh no i th- I think that's there I think there are more general questions that that aren't particularly answerable and sort of come up every so often, but um I think we we covered the specific happenings in this chapter quite well. Excellent. So, so I'm looking forward to
1: chapter our eight. next chapter. <laughs> Flight of the Fat Lady.
2: Uh, as long as she doesn't sing.
1: She does in the movies. I don't think she does in the, uh, in the books.
2: <laughs> what? And we also have a fairly interesting image for this, which is a uh, steaming, bubbly chalice.
0: What in the hell was this chapter
2: about? Uh, probably some drunk people. <laughs> um, but on that note, Uh, Yeah, I look forward to discussing it with with you guys next week Um, and for all of our Pottering Around fans you should check out our extras because we recently embarked on a uh, Harry Potter uh, role-playing game that we're calling Hogwarts and Howlers Um, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, You might have seen our character creation hopefully I will be uploading our uh, first edit uh, foray into this adventure and we'll have updates hopefully around weekly but uh video editing is a little bit more complicated than (laughs) audio editing so sometimes they take me a little bit longer since i don't know what i'm doing Okay, but it's been fun y'all have a good one till next time
1: bye guys